Let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 14. We're thankful that each of you are here this morning. I hope you've got a copy of the Word of God with you this morning. If not, maybe slide over next to someone who does so you can look on at the text. Acts chapter 14, just going to read a couple of verses this morning, beginning in verse number 24. Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse number 24, and we'll read down through the end of the chapter, which we'll take as our text for this morning's message. The Bible says, And after they had passed throughout Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia, And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down into Atalia, and thence sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them, and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles, and there they abode long time with the disciples. In our study here in the book of Acts, we've been tracing the journey of the Apostle Paul and Barnabas into Asia Minor, that part of the world that today we would recognize primarily as the country of Turkey. They had been sent by the church at Antioch and had gone forth to preach the gospel and as people were saved to disciple those people and to gather them into churches. We saw last week how they uh, did the work of discipleship and ultimately culminating and leaving leadership in those churches before they left to go back. And what we've just read in Acts chapter 14 is the story then of how they made their way from the central part of Asia Minor where they were down through the, the southern part of Asia Minor and back to the coast and they caught a ship which of course was how you traveled in those days, and they traveled, they journeyed back to the city of Antioch. And they returned to the church that had sent them for a specific purpose. And that returning was very important. That's what I want to speak about this morning from Acts chapter 14, is this idea of returning from the work. Because in this passage, we find some helpful pointers about how to receive missionaries back from the place where they have gone to work. Just a couple of things that I want to point out to you. What we believe from the scriptures is that the sending agents or the sending agency for those who are doing the work of missions, what we traditionally call missionaries, what the Bible, I believe, refers to as evangelists, people who go forth to preach the gospel to disciple, and to plant other churches, the sending agency is the New Testament church. That's not a task that is given to any other organization. There certainly is no uh, parachurch organization like a mission board that is found in the scriptures. All we find are New Testament churches that are given this task. And we find, uh, of course, earlier in Acts chapter 13 that Paul and Barnabas were sent by the church at Antioch to do this work. And when they came back, they came back to the church at Antioch to give a report of what God had done. And so as we look at this text, I think we'll find some helpful things. Of course, this is pertinent to us as a New Testament church. God has blessed us with five families that are on the foreign field that are sent directly out of Lehigh Valley Baptist Church 
They're a part of our church family, and they are laboring in our place in other parts around the world. They're families that we love and care about, and we want to make sure that we are ministering to them in the way that God would have us to do as their sending agency or as the church that has given them the authority to go. Now, you'll notice several things here in Acts chapter 14. We'll start in verse number 20, uh, 26 with the recommendation of these servants. And this is really talking about the sending that had taken place. This is detailed uh, more in chapter 13, but it's mentioned here again in verse number 26. So we'll take just a moment to look at it. It says, Thence they sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. So notice the recommendation of these servants. They're returning to Antioch to the place, specifically to the church, from whence they had been recommended. And that word recommended means that these men had been surrendered by the church over to the Lord. And we saw that sentiment in Acts chapter 13 when these men were sent. The Holy Spirit had moved very clearly in the midst of the church and had commanded that Barnabas and Saul would be separated for this work. And then the church, in obedience, had sent them forth. They were sent forth by the Holy Spirit, and they were sent forth by the church at Antioch. They were recommended to the grace of God. This idea of surrendering men over to the Lord for His purposes is a reality in a New Testament church. We dealt with this a couple weeks ago, so I'll not belabor the, the point, but I want you to think for a moment about the reality of sending men, sending families to another place to do the work of missions. We send them because we cannot be present in those places. And because we cannot be present in those places, there's a separation that takes place. We were talking a little bit about this, uh, my wife and I, yesterday, about even with modern communication, sometimes it's difficult to be in touch with our missionaries because of the time differences. And it seems like, well, when I have time, they're busy. And when they have time, I'm busy. And especially when that time difference is in that range of 12 to 14 hours, like our missionaries who are in Australia or Asia, it can be especially challenging to be able to connect with them. See, there's a reality of separation. They are in another place. They're far away from us, and we feel that distance. Of course, there are people that we love and that we care about, but when we sent them, we committed them to the Lord. We recommended them to the grace of God because we're not going to be present with them. We're not going to be, uh, be able to be there with them as they're going through trials or as they're laboring in the service of the Lord. We have sent them in our place. What can we do? Well, we can pray and we can trust that God will work in and through them. And I hope that you do pray for our missionaries. I hope that you pray for them by name. I hope that you pray for them specifically. I hope that you keep up with the things that are going on in their ministry and that you're aware of their prayer requests so that you can be bringing those things to the Lord because that's part of recommending them to the grace of God. It would be wrong for us as a church to send them and forget about them, to not pray for them, uh, to not be concerned about their ministry. 
Now, of course, we know in Acts chapter 14, when Saul and Barnabas were sent to this work, when they were recommended to the grace of God, there wasn't going to be a lot of communication coming back. There wasn't going to be a lot of updates or, uh, you know, there were no video updates. There were, there were no prayer letters that were going to be coming back as it were, at least not in a real timely fashion because things moved a lot slower at that time of history. Think about the, the marvels of modern communication. It's a wonderful thing and we can be thankful for that. But we ought to be aware, of course, that part of sending men is this attitude or this this action that we're going to see them go from here. Part of this is, and we pointed this out when we were in Acts chapter 13, that the kind of men that you send to this work are men who are busy about the work already. You don't send men who are trying to figure out whether they can do the work or whether they want to do the work. You send men who are already engaged, who are involved in that work, So when you send someone like that, that means there's some gaps that are left in their absence. There's some ministries that they were a part of that someone else has to step forward and be involved in that ministry. So this is one of the hesitations that some churches have about sending. It's the idea of, well, what are we going to do? How are our needs going to be met? How is the ministry going to go forward here? Now, you'll notice in verse 26 that when they were sent... They were recommended to the grace of God. And the men sang about wonderful grace of Jesus. Where would we be without the grace of God? The grace of God is expressed through the person of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice in our place. Where would we be without that grace? That's the saving grace that we have experienced. But we also need the kind of grace that God gives to those who are serving him. That is the ability, the enabling to be able to do the work that God has called us to do. To be able to fulfill that work, we need God's grace. God doesn't call men for their talents or their abilities. He calls men who are willing and then he makes them able by his grace. Sometimes we make the mistake of putting the emphasis upon the talent or the ability of the person who's sent, and we forget that no ministry is possible apart from the grace of God. Now, I believe Saul and Barnabas were aware of the fact that the grace of God was operative in their life and that everything they had accomplished was because of the grace of God. But let me just point out to you that we can be guilty of forgetting that everything that takes place is because of the grace of God. We can get to the place where we maybe exalt a missionary, where we put them on a pedestal and we give them more honor than is due. The same thing can happen with a pastor. You can put him on a pedestal and give him more honor than what he is due and forget that anyone who accomplishes anything at all for God is doing so by the grace of God. And that means that God has enabled them. They're not worthy of that enabling. They're they're in no way have they earned that enabling. That's just God's gift and God's goodness to them. So remember that when we send missionaries, we recommend them to the grace of God. We want them to be dependent upon God's grace just as we ought to be dependent upon God's grace. And this recommendation of these servants was for the purpose of work. Work. 
The ministry is work. It's hard work to do the work that God has called us to do, or this ministry. Ministering in the lives of others who are without Christ, those who need to be discipled, is a work that needs to be accomplished. It's not sending men to a vacation or to live in an exotic place uh, for their own enjoyment, but it is sending them to a work, a spiritual work. And as we pointed out this morning, the warfare that we're involved in is a spiritual warfare. We're wrestling against spiritual wickedness in high places, and this exists all over the world. And so Saul and Barnabas had been recommended to this work. They had been sent to this work. Of course, they had gone to do this work. And the second thing I want you to consider this morning is not only the recommendation of these servants, but the rendering of their service. So they'd been sent with the blessing of the church. They'd been sent with the authority of that church. And when they went, the Bible says at the end of verse 26, they were sent to the work which they fulfilled. They were coming back to Antioch, and they could say with honesty, we fulfilled the work. The word fulfilled means to render fully or to complete. They could come back to Antioch and say, you sent us for a purpose, and we can tell you that we did it. We did what you sent us to do. We fulfilled the purpose that you sent us for. We've been busy about that work. Now, one of the things that we appreciate and enjoy from our missionaries is when they send us a report, whether that's a video report or a written letter report, whereby they speak to us about the things that have been going on in the ministry. And they talk about, here's where we've been going. We've been preaching in this place. We've been working with this person. We've been involved in this project. That helps us to pray. That helps us to know that they are involved in a work. Now, I will ask you this question. What if you had to write a prayer letter every month and share that with the church family? What if you had to tell everyone as a church member, this is where I've been involved. These are the ministries that I've been a part of. This is who I'm sharing the gospel with. This is where I'm plugged into the work. I wonder what your prayer letter would look like. Now, we like to receive those reports because it tells us that those that we have sent are fulfilling the work. They're busy about the work. Now, we know, as we've studied through Acts chapter 13 and 14, that Saul and Barnabas really were involved in this work. They had been rendering their service. They had been busy, and they'd been busy in two primary things. First of all was the work of evangelism. So they were going into places where the gospel had never been preached and they were declaring the name of Jesus. They were speaking from the scriptures about who Jesus was and what Jesus had completed in his sacrifice on the cross. They were sharing the gospel, the good news that salvation is available through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, many people had gotten saved as a result of hearing that message. We would suggest that many of the people who had gotten saved were prepared already by the Old Testament scriptures, which they had been studying in their synagogues. They had been prepared for the idea that there was a Messiah that would come. And now Saul and Barnabas were coming. And from the scriptures, they were demonstrating that that Messiah had come. 
and his name is Jesus. And many of those people had turned to Jesus. They had believed upon him. In addition to those who had been saved in that way, there were Gentiles, those who were not Jewish, those who worshipped other gods, and they had also heard this message, and they had believed on Jesus Christ, and their lives had been completely changed. So Saul and Barnabas had been busy about this work of evangelism, but then they had also been busy about the work of thorough discipleship. So once people got saved, it was important for them to understand the basis of their faith. It was important for them to be taught what it means to worship the God of the Bible, what it means to be a Christian. And we know that Saul and Barnabas had given themselves completely to this work. They had left themselves no time for recreation. They were completely devoted to the work that God had called them to do. They had not made a half-hearted effort. In other words, when it says they fulfilled that work, that's exactly what it means. They had gone to the places where they had been sent. They could come back with a clear conscience and say, we did what we were sent to do. This was the rendering of their service. Now, all of us ought to be so busy about the kingdom work that Jesus has left us to do. All of us ought to be so plugged into the purpose that God has for our lives that we are busy fulfilling the work of the Lord. I'll point out to you that it's easy for us to get distracted with other kinds of work, to get distracted with other kinds of things and forget that God has left us here for a purpose. Let me remind you, men, God didn't leave you here for the purpose of building a business. He didn't leave you here for the purpose of developing a large pension for your retirement. He didn't leave you here for the purpose of of building yourself a name in the community. He left you here for the purpose of working in the harvest fields. Ladies, men, young people... This is what God has called us to do. And we all ought to be busy about our father's business. Sure, in the midst of living our lives, uh, of doing the things that we need to do to keep body and soul together. But may it be said of us, when we have run our race, that we have fulfilled our work. This is a day-by-day process, which as we've already mentioned, is completely dependent upon the grace of God. So we see about them that they were recommended and we see that they rendered their service. But then we notice in verse number 27, they came back to Antioch and when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. I want you to notice third of all, as they came back, there was a rehearsal of their striving. These men began to share what God had done. The the verse tells us there in verse 27, when they were come together. Something special about that phrase, come together. It had been a long journey for them. Today, it wouldn't take you very long to travel from where they began to where they ended. But in those days, it was several days journey. A lot of walking and and traveling on ships and waiting for transportation to be able to take you to the next 
area or destination where you could trade off for the next form of transportation. But finally, Saul and Barnabas had arrived back at Antioch where they had been sent from. They were come together. I want you to think about it for just a moment, what it's like for a missionary to come back to a place that used to be home. A place that is not necessarily home anymore. They have in their heart other places that have been home. They have other people that they've ministered to and loved and invested in, but they come back to this place and in a certain sense, it's still home. Uh, in, in the sense, spiritually, this is the place that is their church. Uh, in other ways, you know, as they come back to the Lehigh Valley, they'll see things that are different than what they were before. Some things that will be the same as what they were when they left. Just think for a moment about what it's like, that phrase, to come together. So much has changed And so much is still the same. And we understand what this is as we welcome our missionaries back here into this congregation. When they come back from the field, they come together. Isn't it a blessing to see them in the services? To to see them sitting here in the pew and and worshiping with us. To be able to come and greet them personally. And uh, to pray with them in prayer meeting. And and just to, to have them here. So they were come together, and then notice that when they were come together, they had, and they had gathered the church together. So they came, and they gathered the whole church together. They said, we've got some things to share with you. And it's important that everyone would be there. Listen, if you're tempted, oh, tonight there's a missionary preaching, never mind. Not that important. I don't need to be there. You know, the truth is, as a church, we ought to be keenly interested in how our dollars that we're giving towards missions are being invested. How our prayers are being answered. What is the work that God is doing in other places? Wasn't it a blessing on Wednesday night? We're not the sending church for the Wyatt family, but we've supported them for a number of years. Wasn't it a blessing to hear the report? of what God has been doing as a result of our investment in their ministry. That refreshes our heart. So they gathered the church together, and the whole church was present to hear what God had done. The reason for this is because the church had sent them, and the church needed to hear what had happened. The church needed to... This is part of holding them accountable... But this is also part of rejoicing together. Because remember, the work that a missionary is doing is not their work. It is our work. They are going in our stead. They are sent in our place. So there's a need to gather the church. And certainly there's benefit and blessing in smaller gatherings where a missionary can share in a smaller setting some of the things that they've they face maybe some of the burdens that they're bearing, uh, some of the difficulties that they've had in the ministry, but there's also a place to hear what has God done so that we as a church can rejoice together in God's goodness. Then it says that as they gathered the church together, they rehearsed 
all that God had done with them. They rehearsed. And this word means that they announced in detail the things that had happened. They said, well, when we went to this city, this happened. And when, then we went to this city, and this happened. I imagine that they must have spoken about the, the stoning that took place in Lystra. Uh, they must have talked about some of the persecution that they had faced. They, they must have talked about some of the believers, the people who had gotten saved. They must have talked about some of the, the, the discipleship that took place and the growth that was happening in these people's lives. Now, how long would it have taken to share these things? Probably would have taken a little while, don't you think? For them to share all the details, it probably would have taken some time. It's unlikely that they could have done this in eight or ten minutes. But it would probably take a little longer than that for them to share all the things that God had done. And what would be the purpose of sharing this? Would it be to put garlands of flowers around the missionary's neck and to put him up on the platform and clap and say, Yay, the hero is here! No, it would be to give God the glory for what he had done. It would be to point to the God who had given his grace so that this work could be accomplished. Listen, no missionary who is filled with the Spirit of God wants to take the glory that belongs to God. And certainly Saul and Barnabas didn't want that, but they wanted to talk about all that God had done. How much had God done? What stories could be told? And what would be the benefit of sharing these stories with the congregation? Imagine how the congregation would be encouraged, how they might be inspired to be involved themselves in this work in their own place. Then it says that as they were rehearsing, they shared something remarkable about all that God had done with them how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. This was something that, of course, they had experienced in Antioch as well, that many Gentiles had put their faith in Jesus Christ and their lives had been changed. But it was especially important for the church at Antioch to realize what God had done among the Gentiles, because this was something that was somewhat unexpected. It's described as an open door. An open door. When God opens a door of opportunity, what do we do with that? Sometimes we hesitate in fear. Sometimes we're unsure of whether this is the direction that God wants us to go. I think it's instructive that when Saul and Barnabas came back speaking about the door of faith, that had been open to the Gentiles, this was also going to have an effect on the ministry of the church at Antioch. Because if God is working in this way in other places, perhaps God could work in this way in our place. This is one of the benefits of the rehearsal that takes place, of giving the glory to God and hearing what God has done, of exalting the work of God that has taken place, is that you and I can be inspired to say, if God could do that there, perhaps he could do something like that here. You know, too often, 
we're content to hear the stories that missionaries tell and say, well, it'd be nice if it was like that in the United States. You know, it's just that people here aren't as open to the gospel. People here aren't as interested in the word of God as they are in other places. I, I beg to differ. I think that when we hear these testimonies of what God is doing, that we ought to take that as a challenge for us to step forward and be involved equally in the ministry here, depending on the grace of God and expecting for God to do things in our midst. And certainly that has been the case in our church, hasn't it? As we have been encouraged and... and uh, We've been made glad. We've rejoiced together with those who've come back bringing reports. God has also given us ideas about what we can do in our own area to reach out with the gospel. Some of the, some of the resources that our missionaries have developed have become resources that we use here in this place with other people. Sometimes we, we have opportunities that are in front of us that we don't even see. We don't realize those things are there and it takes someone coming along and talking about an opportunity that they experienced somewhere else and it's like the Lord says, hey, you have the same kind of opportunity right there in front of you. Amen. That's a wonderful thing when that happens. This rehearsal is important for us because it highlights the grace of God. It reminds us of our purpose. I think it's helpful for our young people to be exposed to our missionaries, to realize that there is a need all over this world for people to go and take the gospel. It's important. It's important. And do you know it's not that common, actually? Sometimes I've heard of churches, for instance, where they'll say, we've never had a missionary in our church. We don't remember ever meeting a real live missionary. What a sad thing that would be. What a privilege we have to be able to have our missionaries come back on a regular basis and share with us what God has done so that we can rejoice together, so that we can give the credit to God. Not so that we can say, we're a great missions church. We're nothing much, honestly, people. We're just people who've been saved by the grace of God, and God has seen fit to use us for His glory. You know, what a blessing it is to be used in this way. What a blessing it is to be a part of this ministry. This is, this is our privilege. And when we hear our missionaries rehearse what God has done and share with us about the lives of those who've been touched and how they've been changed and how they're growing in the Lord, how it ought to gladden our hearts and cause us to rejoice in the grace of God, the rehearsal of their striving. But then I want you to notice one other thing in verse 28. It says, And there they abode long time with the disciples. This is the remaining with the saints. Now Saul and Barnabas were busy guys. There was a world to reach. There was much work to do. But it was also imperative for them to come back to the church from which they had been sent so that they might abide a long time. And that word abide or abode means they lived with them. They stayed with them. They were there for a long time. 
These evangelists were not in a hurry to leave. They were content to abide for a long time with the brethren that had sent them. And certainly you could say, well, they must have been eager to get back to the work. And in due time, they're going to go back to the work. But there is also sufficient time for them to be able to be with the church that sent them. And I want to point something out to you. Just as there is work that is going on on the foreign field, there ought to be work that is going on at the sending church. There ought to be evangelism and discipleship. The work of God ought to be going forward. Sometimes I want to point out something that I think is an error in our thinking. Sometimes you can think, well, I wish I could be on the foreign field where where all the work is taking place. Well, you ought to be where God wants you to be. And if God wants you to be here, it means that he has a work for you to do here. And that work here is just as important as the work that's going on in any other place in the world. Sometimes we're pining for a different harvest field instead of being faithful in the field where God has placed us. But these missionaries came back and they weren't in a hurry to leave. Now, there's some unique things about the way that we do missions in the United States of America pertaining to raising support from other churches. And certainly it's important for missionaries when they come back to get by at least some, if they can't get to all, but get back to the churches that are supporting them financially to give a report of the work, to encourage those churches in their prayers, and to thank them for their support of that ministry. Sometimes that can get in the way of those missionaries spending a long time with the church that has sent them. And it is important for our missionaries to come here and to be here, to abide. You say, why is that important? It's important because this is their This is their sending church. This is the place where if they have children, one day they're going to send their children back from the foreign field and they're going to come here and their children need to be connected to this church. Uh, This is the place where their authority comes from. This is the place where their spiritual connections are going to be the most vibrant. This is the place where they need to know the membership. Now, let me just share something with you. One of the things that happens when a missionary has been gone for a couple of years, the church changes. They come into the congregation and they look around and there's people that they don't see. People that were here when they left, but they're not here anymore. Sometimes they've passed away. Sometimes they've fallen away from the faith. Sometimes they've moved to another part of the country Sometimes they've just gotten tired of the congregation and decided to go and find another congregation. But that's something that is troubling to a missionary when they come back. And it's different. And then they'll see there's other people that they don't know. And sometimes the people that they don't know will know them. Because we talk about their prayer requests. And sometimes there are pictures displayed on the back. And we'll Uh, sometimes have a video where they'll be giving an update of their work. And so they'll be known, but they won't know who those other people are. And they'll come in and they, they, you say, well, what, what do we do about that? That's why it's important for them to be here so that they can rebuild those relationships so that they can come alongside some of the people who've 
join the church since they, since they went to the field so that they can get reconnected, so that they can share those burdens. So notice they abode a long time with the disciples. To be with the disciples is helpful and necessary. And I believe that it's consistent and it would be, it would be right for us to assume that as Saul and Barnabas are abiding here in Antioch, they are doing the same work that they have been doing while they were in Asia Minor. The same work that they were doing before they were sent. That is, they are plugged into the ministry. They're, they're working alongside. Just think for a moment of what a blessing it is when our missionaries are back from the field to have them come along with us and be your partner as you go and do evangelism. To, to fellowship together, to in prayer meeting, to say, hey, brother, let's pray together. Let, let, let's talk to the Lord about some of these things that are going on. To, to have them here in the services and, and sitting in the pew, to, to have them at your Sunday school table, sharing what God has been doing in their life and their insights into the scripture, to have them come alongside your, your sons and your daughters and get to know them and encourage them in the things of the Lord, to have them preach in our chapel services and be in our pulpit. These are things that are a help to our church and also a help to the missionaries when they return. This is real fellowship. And it's a blessing when our missionaries come back and we can experience real fellowship with them. The implication of verse 28 is that as they abode long time with the disciples, they continued in the work that they had always been doing, and strengthening was both received and given. So the missionaries received strength, and they also gave some strength. There was a back and forth that was necessary. Many times when our missionaries return from the field, they're in need of some physical rest. They're in need of some spiritual refreshment. They're in need of some fellowship with uh, those that have sent them. They're in need of us as a church coming alongside them and rejoicing in what God has done. This is an important aspect of sending missionaries. And I know uh, that you folks always enjoy it when our missionaries come back. It's always a blessing to hear what God has been doing. Now, obviously, Saul and Barnabas are coming with some great stories of victory, but there's also some heavy burdens that they're bearing. And it's the same way when our missionaries come back from the field. There's some victories that they've experienced, but there's also some burdens that they're bearing that they need to share with their church family, and they need to fellowship together. So it's important for us to think through as a church... How do our missionaries return from the work? What kind of a reception do they get when they come back here? Are they welcomed? Are, they, are, 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 they, are, are we willing to reach out to them? Uh, we know that we've changed. We know that they've changed. Sometimes that can make things a little bit awkward, but are we willing to step outside our comfort zone and to come back into the place of fellowship? By the way, the awkwardness tends to go away as you step forward by faith into fellowship. And you realize, you know what? We, we have the same basis for fellowship. 
We've had some different experiences over the last couple of years, but guess what? We still serve the same Savior. We still preach the same gospel. We're still involved in the same work. And that is heartening to us and heartening to our missionaries. So as a church family, you say, well, what is my part? Well, your part as a church is what the church at Antioch did. And that is that they received them and they welcomed the rehearsal and then they companied with them, they fellowshiped with them as they spent a long time with their sending church. And as we have opportunity, Lehigh Valley Baptist Church, we want to take this chance to welcome our missionaries when they come and to be plugged into their work. Now, of course, you know, there's other things we can do. We can go. We can, we can see the work for ourselves. We can be present and meet some of the folks that they're working with. We can, of course, read their prayer letters. I hope you read their prayer letters and keep up with what's going on. We can make sure that we're connected with their updates and that we're praying for them. But there's something very special that happens when the missionary returns from the work and shares that which God has done. And as a church, we have an important ministry in this area. We have an important responsibility to make sure that we are receiving our missionaries home in the way that that is best suited for them so that they can be refreshed then to go and continue the work when the time comes. And what a blessing it is then to see them go back. Saul and Barnabas came back with a great report of what God had done, but never forget that the work is all the grace of God. Do you know anything that happens here in this assembly is because of the grace of God? Anything that happens on the mission field is because of the grace of God. Anything that happens on our outreach ministries, it's because of the grace of God. It's always the grace of God. It's always His goodness to us, which we do not deserve. And we want to highlight that more and more.